podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. Hello everyone and welcome to this week's edition of the Spanish Football Podcast, recorded slightly later than usual. It's also probably going to be a bit shorter than usual because selfish Sydney has got another job that he's got to do and he's in Lisbon for Sporting Club against Tottenham in the Champions League tomorrow and he's had to have a press go to a press conference he's had an absolute nightmare getting there as well in terms of the plane being delayed and then having to wait ages to get off the aeroplane all that kind of boring stuff Sydney so this recording a podcast with me it's going to be the highlight of your day isn't it it absolutely is it really is I'm standing here holding a sign so you can see it just says Sporting Club do Portugal anyway (laughs) Uh, yes, Sporting Club Portugal. <laughs> Sid is hiding somewhere in the in the press conference room. At a very I mean, I'm literally in the translator's booth. Okay, well that's good. That's good. Anyway, let's crack on with the uh, with the uh, Spanish football uh, coming up this week for our patrons. By the way, we're going to have a Q and A pod out for patrons on Tuesday. In theory, answering yeah, yeah, questions. Be fine, okay, bonus pod on Thursday, talking the uh, Champions League games. Plus, this week sees the return of TSFP presents our series looking at the history and culture of Spanish football. We think we've got a fun idea for a new season, so watch this space. This is what happened on match day five in La Liga. Friday night saw Girona beat Valladolid 2-1. Then on Saturday, Raya got their first home win of the season, beating Valencia 2-1. Sevilla got their first win of the season, winning 3-2 at Espanyol. Uh, Barca thrashed Cadiz 4-0. Atletico Madrid beat Celta Vigo 4-1, although the scoreline doesn't necessarily tell how close a game it was. Then on Sunday, uh, Madrid beat Mallorca also 4-1 although they had to come from behind. Athletic Club beat Elche also 4-1. Three 4-1s in one weekend. That's, that's very unusual. Also unusual, Getafe winning. They did this weekend. They beat La Real by two goals to one. Terrible news for La Real. Their record signing, Uma Sadiq, got a ligament injury in that game and he's out for the season. Absolute catastrophe for them. And Betis beat Villarreal by a goal to nil at the Benny V in the game, which was billed as the meeting of the two sides' best poised to break into the top four this season it was Betis who came out on top I'm not entirely sure how because Villarreal had numerous chances to score which they did not take taking place as we currently record the podcast Almeria against uh, Osasuna Uh, lots of really interesting games this weekend we could start uh, almost uh, anywhere so let's start with the games that Sid was at on Sunday um, you were at the you were at the Bernabeu just about you had a bit of a nightmare getting there as well but you, <laughs> you, you made it to see um, to see Real Madrid score four goals without Karim Benzema which is uh, pretty impressive I'd say yeah it is uh, I mean obviously the context of this is that two of those four goals are in the last two minutes or theoretically the last two minutes although of course 89th minute doesn't mean anything now it could be you know they could, it could it's, 89 is the old 79 isn't it basically <laughs> these days Um and I actually thought that Mallorca held out really quite well for a lot of the game. Although, again, it was interesting post-match because he said, look, in a way it was inevitable. You know, we, we, we had an approach which was to be defensive. It was very, very hot. We couldn't keep that going all game. And so it was inevitable that at some point they would get us. And even if it looks like we were holding them for a long time, it kind of was a question of time. Now, I, I think that's a sort of a post-match Response rather than rather than the way it may have necessarily felt to him, because I thought that Madrid were a little bit sluggish for quite a lot of the game, which I think mm-hmm. is partly explained by the conditions and also by the condition of the pitch, which looked very dry. The ball wasn't really rolling very well. Um, it seemed to be getting caught under people's feet. And Mallorca had a great chance after was it twenty five seconds, and yep. then of course the goal from Marici, who'd also had the chance after twenty five seconds, at least the first of the two, because it then rebounded to a 
teammate who I forget if it was now. Um, and, and I didn't think Madrid were that great, but clearly were just too good, basically. They did, and they had some some big performers uh, performing yeah. again. Vinicius scoring in his fifth consecutive game now, which is, you know... It's, it's, it's impressive, even though they're not necessarily the most challenging of opponents he's going to face all season. To, do, to score five games in a row is the kind of consistency that we demand from a, from a top world-class player, which Vinicius has very much absolutely become. Is. Yeah, yeah, yeah absolutely. Is. And one thing I would say is that in this game, until the second half at least, I thought he was actually not very good. Mm. Um, and, and maybe that's a, a step too far, but let me explain what I mean by that. I felt in the first half... That maybe because of the awareness that Benzema wasn't there. It felt to me like at times he wasn't as natural. He was trying to do too much. Mm. There was a lot of step overs. There was a lot of taking people on. It wasn't quite working for him. He was sort of leaving the ball behind on occasions. Again, come back to that question about the pitch. I think that might be part of it. Mm. Um, then, having said that, he then scores a really lovely goal. Mm. And you get this unbelievable goal from Fede Valverde to equalise. And then the next two, it was like they were competing to be as good as a Valverde goal. Those, the, the, the first, second and third goals from Madrid were all brilliant. Mm. The Rodrigo goal is sensational. It really Absolutely is. Absolutely yeah. sensational. He's got two goals and two assists already, uh, Rodrigo. And Fede Valverde, who, who I guess in theory is his competition for the place on the, on the right-hand side, uh, Rodrigo. Um, Valverde, he scored here. He got an assist against Celtic, another assist against Betis. He scored against Celta Viga as well. So he's contributing as well. Really importantly, we've spoken about his... Sort of general all-round improvement over the last 18 months. He just looks a better footballer and he's also been consistent as well. So uh, mm. Madrid getting the job done. It's five wins out of five. They're the only side with a 100% record. And next up for them is the Madrid derby uh, this weekend. So that's going to be an interesting challenge. Yeah. Um, let's talk about the uh, game he went to on the same day on the other side of the country. You managed to get down to Seville, to the Beni V, to see Betis beat Villarreal. By a goal to nil, am I right in my assessment in saying that Villarreal really should have got something out of this game? Absolutely right. <laughs> um, what I was really struck by in the first half was Villarreal's ability to kind of play at two different speeds. So they build the ball out from the back and they're, they're, I suppose it's two different identities as much as two different speeds. They build mm. the ball out, they maintain possession, they work it through the midfield they're relatively cautious about it when they're around the edge of the other team's box. They keep possession. They wait for that little space to come. And that's version one. But then when they get the chance to rob and run, they're incredibly direct. Really, really quick. And when they get the chance to put that ball into the space, in, in particular at the weekend, it was Nicholas Jackson. But it's not just him. In the second half, obviously, we saw quite a lot of Samu Chukwesi. Um, Lo Celso as well. Lo Celso was, was dashing into space. He had a, a run lot. in the 96th minute. I was just like, how have you got that energy in the 96th and, and then, minute? And then he played a 1-2, I think it was with Morales, who played a wonderful pass to him and actually yes. then made a bit of a mess of it in the area. Yeah. Um, but that, that was the thing that really struck me, is the willingness to, to kind of spin the ball in behind the defence. And, and in particular, that's one of the things that Gerard Moreno does really well, is that he'll come off the front and with his back to goal, will just play it first time almost... Uh, almost on the spin enough that it's spinning behind him if you see what I mean mm. so the ball kind of goes backwards and, 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 and people go beyond him and I thought you know they really really should have got at least a couple in the first half and missed two or three really good chances a couple of them from mistakes from Betis but partly through putting the pressure on and through seeing that moment where they could step in make the robbery and then get going really quickly and, and yeah they absolutely should have been at least two and a lap at half time 
They really should have, but they weren't. And, and Betis scored in the uh, second half through Rodri. A lovely ball in from Luis Enrique to give them all three points. And they're third uh, currently at the, at the time of recording. So, you know, even though we had our doubts about whether they can sustain this, and it's only match day five, so we're not getting carried away. But Betis are there for the time being. Mm. Uh, we well, they're top a... of the other league, aren't they? I yeah, mean, they really are. And I, I genuinely think you might be able to d- divide it into Madrid, Barcelona and the rest this season. I hope not. I mm. hope I'm wrong. But I, I fear that that might be the case. Mm. Um, quick word on the other big result on Sunday, that 4-1 win for Athletic at Elche. For, for a side who struggled to score goals, they're scoring a lot of goals away from home, Athletic Club, because uh, it's the second game in a row on the road they've scored four. They thrashed Cadiz 4-0 previously. And now they... Scored four goals in the first half against Elche, albeit, you know, playing against Elche and Cadiz, probably the two worst sides in the division uh, at yeah. the moment. Nico Williams scored the third goal, I think it is. It is an absolutely extraordinarily good goal. His first goal in La Liga as well. And Athletic will be hoping it's the first of, of many because they could do with someone who could consistently score. Yeah, yeah. And he's, you know, we've talked about him before in terms of the differences between him and his brother. He's technically, I think, a, a bit better than his brother, not quite as quick, not quite as direct. And this was a lovely goal in off the right hand side on his right foot, put it onto his left, and then walloped into the into the top corner. He's going to be really important. I think you're right. I, I think there's there's a bit more variety about them away. Maybe it's because of the the way that you can play a little bit more on the break. You don't need to be as kind of technically creative around the area. But I think you're also right to put this in the context of the two teams they played mm-hmm. because Elche were just the lack of intensity about them was extraordinary the weekend. Mm-hmm. It, it almost, I mean, the fans were chanting at them. You're still on on your holidays, mm-hmm. and it sort of did look a little bit like that and I was obviously at the, we spoke about it at the time I was at the Cardiff game and I thought that Cardiff were, were dreadful but mm. it is true that I also thought that Athletic were very good indeed mm. uh, On to what happened on, on Saturday and and Barcelona's 4-0 win at, at Cadiz was, a game that was very much overshadowed by what happened in the stands. There was a, a medical emergency, which meant the game was actually paused for an hour. Uh, in the 81st minute, Barcelona were 2-0 up, and then something happened in the stands. A, a fan was taken very, very seriously ill. We thought we might be witnessing a tragedy. Thankfully, that, that didn't happen, and the fan managed to be taken to hospital and uh, uh, be stabilised. But it it did really overshadow what happened on the pitch. Ultimately, uh, what did happen on the pitch is that um, Barcelona, um, they went 1-0 up and then they made this triple substitution anyway, yeah. even though they were 1-0 up and they brought on Robert Lewandowski, Dembele and Pedri and uh, they went on to score another goal. And Lewandowski scored again. He's La Liga's top scorer now. He's, he's on to six goals. He's going to get into... All right, he's not going to get into triple figures, but he's going to score a lot of goals this season, as we've uh, as we've said already. And and Dembele continues to be very very dangerous. So I mean, there's a lot of things we could talk about this this Barca game. But you chose to write about what happened off the off, off, in the stands yeah. today. Yeah, I think just really because of the sense that that I, th- I think one of the things that happens in these kind of um, in these kind of moments, and I think on one level there is a risk of, of, of making it too big, but I think in part it was because sometimes when things like this happen, we, we 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 fall back on the cliche about how this puts it all into perspective, but actually in a way it does, but not the way that people think it does, because actually what it does I think is reinforce how important football is. Hmm. That you know the game does go on, and actually the collective, if you like, the collective experience of it is sort of what makes it more significant. Um, and actually the fact that there were people there responding was what made this more than just someone get ill you know the response from players uh, the response from club doctors the response from a fan who happens to be a nurse who's on the spot um, and gets there in time and so I, I think this was kind of a 
a story not so much about the illness itself, but uh, if you like, about the kind of the collective power of, maybe not power's not quite the right word because then I'm falling into cliche myself, but you know what I mean, that, that sort of sense of community. And that was actually summed up for me in a, in a quote from one of the doctors who was there who said, if he, this had happened to him at home, mm. he would not have been revived. Mm. He effectively yeah. survived because of football. So rather than putting football into context or putting it into perspective in the sense of saying, well, football doesn't matter, actually it sort of demonstrates that you're better off at a football game. <laughs> and I know that sounds a bit glib of me to say it like that and, and almost in a, with a kind of a tone of amusement, but I think there is an element of that, mm. that there is something about... I don't really know how to properly explain it, which is a stupid thing to say considering I've just been writing about it. Mm. Um, but it, but, it, but it, it, it felt kind of significant because of that, but as you say, the... The game itself, when the, this particular game when they came back, did feel like it didn't matter. Mm. Uh, Cardiff were already 2-0 down, they considered two more. And Sufati, um, you know, sort of held up his hand as, as an apology when he scored. And those last two goals didn't mm. matter. Yeah, they didn't. Uh, but they did mean that uh, Barcelona uh, have, um, have the best goal difference in the division. It's plus 14. They've scored 15. They've only conceded one goal in these five games. Mm. So um, yeah. that's, 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 that's something to, to, to watch out for. Um, now, bear in mind that that run of games includes Real Sociedad and Sevilla away. Yeah. Now, I know that we haven't been impressed with Sevilla. They've had a difficult start. But those are still two of the away games that, in theory, mm. you don't get three points from. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and they have, and they have. Uh, Atletico Madrid beating Celta Vigo 4-1. Atletico Madrid scored four goals from an expected goal of just, goals of just 0.7. Um, <laughs> which is, yeah, um, kind of tells the story of this game because Celta had chances, man. They had yeah. chances, which they did not take. And Atletico Madrid, again, not that convincing for, for a large amount of this game. But uh, Carrasco scored an absolutely lovely goal and, and, and they got their first win at home. And I guess it might quell a few dissenting voices. Um, but yeah, again, it's just not, not, not very convincing. No, it's not. I mean, it sets it up nice, I suppose, for the Madrid derby next weekend. And of course, that's the game that will help to define what fans uh, feel about the team and how good they think it is. Um, you mentioned the Kraska goal, which is really, really good. I don't know about you, though. But I, I really like the first goal. I thought the team moved for the first oh, goal. Oh, yeah. So about Thank four Four first-time passes in a row um, for Correa to finish. I thought was a was a really really lovely goal. Obviously, we saw Griezmann come on in the 63rd minute this time, not score. But I agree with you. I still look at this Atletico team and think there's clearly a lot of good players in there. There are moments when you see things that you think, okay, this team can be all right. But you don't look at them and think, yeah, Atletico are a proper good team. Not yet, at least. Uh, it was the first start this season for uh, Correa. Jao Felix had been starting alongside. Alvaro Morata Ankel Correa is one of the most I don't know I was going to say un- unlucky players in La Liga but his role is just to sort of be there and do whatever Simeone asks of him at any given moment and he seems to be content with that yeah um, I get, you get a feeling don't you because I mean partly it's Simeone playing man management but I think part of it is genuine as well he always talks very 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 fondly of Correa and I think he's one of those players that Simeone is prepared to express publicly the idea that it might be unfair on him that he doesn't play more. Um, but I also think there is a there is a sort of a, a strange logic in it. And he, I suppose he is one of those players. And there must be others like him, but I'm trying to think of one off the top of my head and I can't. Possibly Lucas Vasquez for a while in the Madrid team. Um, that you know There can be other players around him not playing as well as him. That he can come on, he can be consistent. He can always deliver for you. But the bottom line is that when you come to it and you go, okay, who are my best players? Correa's probably not in it. 
And yet he gives you, as, as the word that Simeone uses, and I suppose it doesn't make as much sense in English, but it works in Spanish, gives you electricity, which the other forwards don't really give. Hmm. Uh, a word about Sevilla as well in their first win of the season, finally after their joint worst ever start to a campaign, beating Espanyol by three goals to two. And an incredible performance from Academy product José Ángel Carmona, who scored two goals and provided an assist as well. He's a defender. Yeah. <laughs> and he might have just saved Judah Lopetegui's job. I think he has, certainly in the short term. Mm-hmm. Um, obviously, let's see how this develops from here. I, I really quite liked what Lopetegui said um, after the game. He, he, said, he said, once again, when it all looked good, we very nearly let it go. Because they had done in previous games. Remember, you were talking a couple of weeks about how that phrase of ha- about having a, a glass jaw, yep. and they nearly did it again. Three nil up, it gets to three two with a long time left in the game. You know, it wouldn't have taken a dramatic equaliser. I think I think Espanyol had nearly thirty minutes to, to score again. Yeah, yeah. Um, and, and and he said, but then we held on, and we to use that Spanishism, we knew how to suffer, or we were able mm-hmm. to suffer. And he said, and that is intrinsic to success. Now, I know that's the kind of thing that a manager says after a game like this, but he's right. Mm. And that vulnerability of Sevilla is a real problem. And the fact they got away with it this time, I would like to think that would help them. Or it might just demonstrate that they've still got it. In terms of the team selection from Judah Lopetegui, it was quite eye-catching because Carmona was in the starting eleven. I guess he was vindicated because he played this 20-year-old who hasn't played much and he scored two mm. goals, but he was in the starting eleven. Kike Salas was in yes. the starting eleven, who had not started a La Liga match before for uh, Sevilla. And on the bench was summer signing Tiangi uh, Nianzu. There was also Rekic. Uh, Navas was on the bench. Montiel was on the bench as well. So other players that really could have started this game but but didn't and he went with the kids I don't know if he was thinking whatever you know I'll just go for it if you're going to sack me sack me I'm going to go out with the kids uh, but it um, just about managed to uh, pay off you always wonder that don't you when a manager makes those kind of decisions whether he's in part sending a message whether he's in part effectively saying to the sporting director well this is what I've got yeah right you want me to play this yeah. but then of course the answer is yes and you win yeah. and all of a sudden you, you that, that I suppose what you could say is the manager's got nothing to lose because if he wins great and if he loses he says well I lost with what you gave me mm. um <clears throat> the absence of Nianzu was, uh, I think, a bit of a surprise, not least because he's basically the only centre-back they had yes. in terms of the ones that hadn't come from the youth system. I don't think Carmona playing was a huge surprise because I, I'd actually quite liked him against City, despite everything. Um, and, and I think I think that changes things and, and that enables, I think, Lopetegui to send a message to some of the players in, in terms of kind of commitment and so on. Because um, which of the goals is it? One of the goals is him basically sprinting round the back of an Espanol player and catching them out. Yes. And he's really alive, really alive. Cabrera. It was was it, right? Cabrera. I was trying to remember which player it was, right? Thank you, Cabrera. And, and I think that's important mm. because I think that is about, you know, kind of reinforcing to players that there is something really basic, which is how intensely you play, how alert you are, how aggressive you are. And, 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 and you know, even if you're a kid, if you've got that, then there are other players, quite frankly, at the moment who don't have it. Mm-hmm. Very much so. All right, this is what happened in the uh, Segunda División. Las Palmas are top after they beat Leganés 1-0 on Friday night. Alavesa level with them on 11 points. They won 2-1 at Lugo. And Levante beat Villarreal B 4-1. Oviedo drew 0-0 at Burgos. Um, <laughs> but it, apparently it was, it was a decent game, but there were, there yeah. were no goals yeah. there. Uh, loads of Spanish teams in action in Europe uh, this week. We've got... Um, uh, Atletico Madrid in Germany to take on Bayer Leverkusen as well on Tuesday night 
Perhaps more interesting will be the game at the Allianz Arena between Bayern Munich and Barcelona. Absolutely blockbuster. Then on Wednesday night, we've got Real Madrid against RB Leipzig. And Sevilla are in Denmark to take on FC Copenhagen. Then on uh, Thursday, we've got Real Betis against Ludogorets. And Real Sociedad welcoming the mighty Omonia Nicosia to San Sebastian uh, in what is um, uh, uh, going to be a huge game. A huge game. Uh, sorry, I'm just being silly because um, my dad's from Cyprus and Omonia are, are, are not a huge have, club. Have you managed to persuade him to come out for the game? He does not support... Uh, I don't know, but persuade him to come anyway. <laughs> he is a, he's an Apoel man, and he he went and saw them play against uh, against Real Madrid. So that was one of the most unexpected things that has ever happened. So <laughs> so there we go. We didn't mention Sydney. Very remiss of us. We sort of forget that the Conference League exists, but Villarreal yeah. are playing it, and they're playing Hapoel Beer Shiva in Israel. Well, on Thursday and they, they won four well. three last week. So we've been saying how they hadn't conceded in La Liga until this weekend against Betis. Yes. But they did concede three in one game in, in, in midweek in the, in the Conference League. Against Lech Poznan. Uh, before we go, you might be surprised or not to know <laughs> that there were some problems with the start of the new Women's Professional League. It was supposed to have started this weekend, but the refs went on strike over pay. So it did not start this weekend, Sid. Um it's just a really disappointing situation. This I'm not even going to get into the necessarily get into the details of, of of who's right and who's wrong. I'm not passing judgment here. I am globally viewing this and saying, why couldn't we have just sorted this out? Does this have to happen again? But it, it yeah, has happened yeah. again. So it's just I just mean, it, it, the continuous mess of um, if you like, essentially the fight for control of women's football. Um, the inability to get deals done, which obviously has a broader underlying issue, which is the which is the struggle between the federation and the and La Liga as, as institutions, and you can see the fault lines very very clearly in this. Even though theoretically the women's league is is entirely uh, a separate body with nothing to do with these two institutions, although of course the referees do depend on the federation, and it's just basically it's just a bit rubbish. And, and it's kind of depressing and, and, and it feels like there have been lots of opportunities um, presented to, and I'm going to use a terrible phrase because it's, I don't like this phrase personally, presented to women's football. And the reason I say I don't like that phrase is first of all, I don't like the idea that football isn't just football, but also women's football suggests it's all one thing. And if there's you know different clubs and different mentalities and, 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 and in this case, of course, two different institutions, but it's just shambolic. And those opportunities simply haven't been taken. Right, that's all we've got time for on this week's edition of uh, TSFP. Like I said, sorry it's a bit later and a bit shorter than usual. Sydney's fault entirely. Blame him. Absolutely, Absolutely my blame fault. Don't blame Al or, or I. I tell you what, though, if they, I, I assume that, or I like, I like to think that sound quality is brilliant today, given that I'm in a translator's yeah, booth. Yeah, it's a little bit echoey, but you know. Um, oh, is it? Right. Yeah. Okay. Well, yeah, we, we, I did, at one point, I didn't even think we were going to do it uh, today, the pod. So I'm, I'm just pleased you managed to get and it. We had one of those brilliant translators, by the way, who's very, very, very animated in his response, even when the player is absolutely <laughs> deadpanning yes. everything. So it makes the player sound really enthusiastic when actually they're sitting there, asking, just sort of looking at us, thinking, "I don't want to talk to this lot." <laughs> There we go. Uh, enjoy the game tomorrow in uh, in Lisbon. Uh, I'll uh, I think I'll be watching Bayern against uh, against Barca. Yeah, 
I don't yeah, blame I you think, for I think, a minute. I think I'm at the wrong place. Looking forward to that one. Uh, send us questions, by the way. There's loads of stuff we didn't talk about on the uh, pod today, but if you want us to um, talk about something specifically, send us a question. We'll answer it on the Q&A pod tomorrow. As we said, bonus podcast coming out on Thursday. And TSFP Presents, a new series, is coming out this week as well. So loads of Spanish football content at patreon.com forward slash TSFP. So come and join us, amigos. And if not, it's okay, it's fine. We'll be back here next week. Every Monday, slight asterisk, where possible, but almost certainly every Monday, we will be here uh, doing this pod for you guys. Adios. Cheerio. Network.